Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 128 of the Frame Skip Podcast. I am Austin Eller, and we've got an interesting crew this week. We'll go to the most important person on the call, Coach, the Kyle Newman. How's it going, Coach? The, the least important. It's going good, man. <laughs> back back home in El Paso. Spent two weeks, last two weeks, uh, training out in Fort Worth, back home. So, so. was it? Uh, we were just talking about, you know, before we went live here, we were just talking uh, off air about how hot it is over there. Is it, what is it like when you're out training? Is it like unbearable, you know, wearing your your uniform and stuff out in that heat? What is that like? Yes. Yeah, so last year we were at the range and it was, it was about, it was 109, but the heat index was probably one and then some type of teens, right? 15 or whatever. Yeah. And it was just insanely hot. And sometimes I question why we're out there in that heat if we're not fighting in Iraq or anywhere right. in that region, right? I'm talking about like regular army, right? Yeah. Or regular soldiers. So um, so this year, I chose not to go out there this year. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't go out there. We we cooked. We were inside, which which made it a lot better than last year. So, but last month uh, I left early from regular battle assembly on the weekend because that the Saturday that we were there. This was in June. Yeah. The Saturday we um, we were outside and and I drank a lot of water. But the best way to to determine if you are hydrated is the color of your urine, right? Yeah. Not to get too graphic, but if it's clear, <laughs> you're good. Thumbs up. And I drank water and I drank water and drank water. And I woke up the next morning with a bad headache and things were just real fuzzy. So uh, I made the drive back to El Paso. And even when I got home, my body wasn't fully hydrated. So you have to be really careful. But Long story short, last night I went cycling, I went training, and it was about 101, and I was okay. How late do you, do you like cycle when the sun's going down? Yes, okay. definitely when the sun. I was going to say. Or, <laughs> yeah, on the weekend, I go in the mornings, like, because it'll get down, because we're like 4,000 feet elevation, right? So, it'll get down in the mid, mid to high 70s at night. Yeah. So, when we wake up, it's okay, it's not that bad. It's just like four or five o'clock where it's atrocious. So we're about 104 today. So well, there not you go. that. Yeah, there we go. Coach, How about you? Coach, you're in hell over there. And it is almost as hot over here. Not quite as bad. But right. um, the interesting thing about this show, of course, we are George and Sethless. So in the meantime, I have brought in my wife, Andy. <laughs> Who I don't think has ever made an appearance on any podcast that we've done. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I no, I did a while ago. Maybe it was before the rebrand, before the big break. Uh, I think I was on with George and Animal Crossing came out. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Was yeah. ages it was a ago. long time ago. And then I was also stretching in the background of a podcast recently. <laughs> yeah. Also, was the was your graduation in Animal Crossing? Was it online? 
That was that, that was, was his. Mine. I held his yeah. in my island, but mine was I had a, a in person graduation. Yeah, but um, yeah, I uh, you know we had a big game come out this week or past week with Pikmin Four, so I figured now was a good time to bring Andy on because she, as far as I know, is the only person <laughs> that I'm super close to that's been playing it, and she's been playing a ton of it, so. I figured that would be a good reason, but also just to have her on because we have not um, not ever really had any any interaction with her on the show before, even though she does all of our graphics. And you talk so, about me like every other show. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be a, a cool one. But coach, I wanted to to start off with here and, you know, I, I figured we could just kind of jump in exactly with what I just talked about with Andy with Pikmin 4, because that's kind of the big game that that has released since Seth and I recorded last week. And coach, I know you and I have both played at least Pikmin 3. I know, coach, you've played some of mm -hmm. 1 and 2, right? Yeah. Okay. I've only played Pikmin 3, so I've never played 1 and 2. I am looking forward to playing the um, HD ports or the Switch once that physical copy comes out in September. But Andy is, of the three of us, the only one playing four, so I wanted to give her a chance to talk about the game, kind of how it compares to Pikmin 3, because I know, as someone who lives with said wife, she has been playing it nonstop. So I, I, it sounds like it's really good. So, Andy, what do you think about uh, Pikmin 4 so far? Um, I guess so far, I mean, talking to Austin, uh, I would say... I would almost say like this upgrade is kind of akin to the way that Splatoon gets upgraded between each game. Gameplay doesn't really change that much. There's a few things here and there that they add. Um, graphics look better. Of course, I don't think they plan to do any like DLC or anything for Pikmin. Um, is it un Maybe it's a little unfair and I feel biased that I just love this game because <laughs> I like the other games. I know... Austin and I talk about a lot that it's not really, it's pretty low on the popularity scale in comparison to most other games, which I definitely understand. Um, but I think the new additions they made in the game have really, it's given me more to look at. And I would, I don't want to spoil too much, especially because it just came out, Coach. I don't know what you do not want me to divulge. <laughs> <laughs> There are Pikmin in the game. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I wouldn't say like just the way play style. I mean, pretty much all of that is the same. But then, and I know they really talked about in the trailers, like, oh, you can play in the night now instead of ending the day. But I feel mm. like seeing that trailer and playing the game, it's kind of misleading because you can't continue the day into night. It's its own thing. It's like a separate time block. And I told Austin it's like a horde mode. I mean, horde is kind of a strong word. So she's, I know she's been playing a lot handheld. Do you know in the settings, does it have anything? Because Coach, you and I have talked before about how we really like the, the motion controls in Pikmin 3. And of course, the, you had the, the Wii ports for Pikmin 1 and 2. Does it have motion controls? Do you know in the settings? Think, I don't Oh, maybe in the settings, but I, if it is there, it's not the default setting. Because I've, hmm. I realize sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm doing this and I, you know, because I was playing three and I would use that control, but I'm realizing I sometimes do it and nothing moves. Yeah. 
but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if they took it out purely because the camera angles now can be better in yeah, comparison to the old game. Because I know that was one of the first things they announced with this game was the the camera was more like over the shoulder with this. Like you can actually r use the right stick and move the camera like up and down. Whereas in the old games, it was kind of more like a, I don't know, not like a bird's eye view, but it was kind of above, you know, more like RTS style camera. So yes. it looks pretty cool, you know, seeing some of, of her playing it seeing the uh the camera like being able to zoom in a little closer the the game is super pretty they introduced to a lot of um i guess i don't know if even new mechanics is the right word but i mean the the dog <laughs> also it does have two legs not four the dog it'll <laughs> like you know be that second person that you could control but um it'll like attack for you you can upgrade it like I have mine upgraded so he can he's worth his carrying weight is worth like 30 Pikmin. And the next upgrade is like he can carry up to like the weight of a hundred Pikmin can carry. Um, but you can like buy extra skills for him. And that kind of came along with some other things that I thought were weird. Like in the older I I mean, I only played Pikmin 3. You know how you could um like basically whistle at them and they would all like attack. All the Pikmin would attack at once. You have to buy that function now um and i feel like that's kind of weird but kind of like rpg mechanics what do you mean by it what do you mean by it like you have to earn it in game yeah so the way there's this new um how do i explain this you know how before when you would have to make like bridges with the pikmin basically you would go collect the pieces the pikmin would collect them and go take them to the bridge that doesn't exist anymore what they replace it with is you can go around and find these raw materials and you basically store it in your ship. And then what happens is, oh, you find this bridge you need to build. They go to your ship and collect this raw material. But that's like the same the same stuff that's used to like buy these upgrades. And it, right. so you have to keep collecting those. And I think those do respawn. So it's not like a limited number. But once you start buying those upgrades, I because I... I'm someone that doesn't check and like talk to all the people. That's like the last thing I do. So I found this guy. <laughs> I finally talked to him. I was like, oh, I should look at the lab. And I spent like all my raw materials on like five different uh, upgrades. Yeah. So there's NPCs that you could talk to? Yeah. And it's interesting because the... Did you play the demo at all? No. Not the demo. Okay. I don't want to like say too much because the NPCs I feel like are pretty, some of them are pretty important to the story. There's some others that are just like garbage. Like I keep, I would get this cutscene. It's like, oh, we've made more space so you can help these other people. And then you go there and there's like three guys standing in like a huge room that you could fit like 10,000 Pikmin in. And you talk <laughs> to them, they're like, hey, and that's like all you can do. So I don't know how they're going to play into the story. Right. I'm kind of curious if, it's going to be a situation where, oh, you're trying to build a, like a town because it looks like it could be set up for that. It does seem a lot more like expansive from a uh, features yeah. front versus the past three Pikmin games. So like, for example, I know she said she was showing me the other day, there's like an actual lobby now. And it's, you know, in Pikmin 3, Coach, if you remember, there's like the spaceship and each day at the end of the day, you go up into the spaceship it shows like your 
fruits getting ground up into juice or whatever and then you just go back right. the next day yeah. but now i guess in between levels there's like a lobby area that you can walk around in and like interact with the npcs and stuff which is pretty interesting and that's where all this stuff is yeah to like upgrade in between days and uh that's how you get to like the nighttime mode and all that stuff and i don't I haven't, I mean, I'm not staying in the lobby long enough to know if time passes in it. I don't think it does. It wouldn't really make sense, but it kind of gives you that downtime. The only thing is to, is you can't forget if you need to buy or upgrade things because you start a level and then you basically waste a day, which in Pikmin 3 doesn't matter. But I heard, I read that in Pikmin 1, like you only had 30 days to beat the game. Right. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. So... But the thing is, is when you play through Pikmin 1, what I find myself doing is I try my best to get two of the ship parts in one day. So I'll replay and try different things to try and get it in under the time, right? But you have 30 days to get all 30 pieces. But okay. it was very vanilla, very basic, right? It was it was a new franchise. So, yeah. um, you know, just listening to what you said about pikmin 4 just the growth of the the series like that's good news because i went and got it today right before um i got home after work i went and picked it up but it's good that they're trying different things instead of just making it stagnant right and i'm on like the fourth world quote unquote i think now it's just you're in the one world and it's different areas and this area is so complicated i've probably spent like at least an hour maybe an hour and a half or so it could be two honestly it's hard to tell how fast time passes <laughs> but i keep it shows you the percentage of how much you've completed every day i don't remember if it did that before but i'm at like three percent still or something like crazy low in oh, this wow. fourth area coach we were talking earlier we were sitting there eating dinner and andy pulled out the most recent Nintendo Force magazine, which for those listening, if you don't know what Nintendo Force is, first off, I'd highly encourage you go look it up yourself and find it on Patreon. But it's this um, magazine, physical magazine, that is released every other month. And it's basically the new age Nintendo Power. So I know there are like former Nintendo Power employees that that work on the magazine. and Oh, really? They yeah. Do? Yeah. Nice. So I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's got a really interesting background, but again, it's like a physical magazine that's just like Nintendo Power was. Anyway, point being, go go look it up. It's worth supporting. We were looking she was looking through it as we were eating dinner after we were eating dinner and the most recent issue is all about Pikmin 4 and the history of the franchise and, you know, how it started and where it's at and she was talking to me about she had noticed somewhere in there they mentioned because you and I talk about this all the time, Coach. When Hey Pikmin came out right before that, Miyamoto came out and said, Pikmin 4 is done. It's just ready to go, man. Like it's sitting there. We're we're just waiting to fire Such that a bullet. Long time ago, bro. And dude, that was like eight years ago. And now it's finally here. Now Pikmin 4 is finally out. <laughs> I was telling him I wonder if they had it complete, quote unquote, but they didn't release or decided not to knowing what was upcoming for Nintendo. Because I imagine if they released it, I mean, not that Pikmin 3 looks bad at all. It looks good, but it's definitely 
a step up. I'm like seeing screenshots of three and I'm like, wow, there really is like a, a pretty major improvement. So I wonder if that was any reason behind their delay. But I mean, that's still like almost a decade ago. So I don't know. <laughs> that's a pretty major delay. Yeah. yeah, that's funny when people bring it up, right? I'll never forget those, we those days. Yeah, and well, and the, the biggest yeah. troll was he said that and then Hey Pikmin was announced and everyone was like, so is this the game he was talking about or right is it is there i didn't a pikmin even pick form? it up i just heard it was horrible yeah, yeah i never got it well it's interesting because so i wouldn't say the history of pikmin piece in that magazine it's probably like a mixture of like an opinion piece slash the history and the guy that wrote it i honestly don't know his last name but his name is lucas <laughs> he did most of the pikmin writing um he said he wonders if people if the fandom of Pikmin were particularly disgruntled about Hey Pikmin because he had announced Pikmin 4 and they were angry about that, which made them feel unhappy about Hey Pikmin. Could be. Which I wonder if that's yeah. If that could be a possibility. But I haven't played Hey Pikmin, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, that's kind of a similar situation with uh where Paper Mario is at right now. Yeah. Like everybody complains, rightfully so, that it's not that RPG that we played back, you know, with the first two, you know, because three kind of are the one that was on the Wii started to veer a little bit different. And then, of course, the uh, 3DS and the Wii U versions. I didn't play Origami King, so I can't really talk about that one. But yeah. Yeah. Kind of I heard that was still good, but I, I need to grab it. I actually think it's getting kind of rare now. I, I don't think they're really? printing it anymore. Origami King? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's in print. So there's a few Switch games that are already starting to do that. I need to get that game. And then um, Dragon Quest Eleven is also apparently out of print. So I need to get both of those. Yeah, I got the uh, I got Dragon Quest Eleven, but uh, digital. Okay. Because they had this sale. They had a big sale on it. So. so, Coach, I know, obviously, you've been away for a little while. Have you been playing anything, if... If not, I want to ask you a question about Pikmin to continue that conversation. <laughs> Go for it. Go ahead and ask. So, I not since uh, Zelda. So, Well, the thing I was going to ask you, I can't remember if you had talked about this on a podcast before you left for your training or if this was just something you and I had talked about, you know, texting off off the show. I know you, you said you picked up the Pikmin 1 and 2 ports, right, for the Switch? Yes. So are they... I did. I don't know if you played any of two, but I know you were playing some of one. Is it pretty good on the mm -hmm. Switch? How does it? Yes. Yes. And, you know, because I, I forgot um, the actual button presses for the Wii versions of those, the new play controls. And, of course, they're going to be different with the Joy-Cons. But the as far as the motion controls, um, you could only call and, I believe, send okay. the Pikmin. Right. But it looks good and it plays good. Right. And I, I that first week I put it probably about uh, eight to 10 hours just playing and playing and going over and trying to be efficient, going back and not really making it a, um, a game that I have to beat now, but just taking my time and, and getting the most out of it, trying to uh, be as efficient as I can. Nice. I'm dying to play those yes. games. I almost bought the digital, but 
I knew I had to wait yeah. for the physical, which is killing I know, me a and little I'll, bit. Yeah, and I'm probably gonna buy the physical because I'm probably gonna because I bought Metroid Prime Digital also, right? Because I didn't want to wait because I didn't know when the physicals were gonna come out. So eventually I'll get those two just for the collection piece, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's good because now anybody, any kid you know that has a Wii or a Wii, any kid that has a, <laughs> Whoa. a Switch, yeah. Fifteen years later, they can play all four games. Yeah, I know they can play all four <laughs> games now. You know, and it appeals to everybody, right? This is one of those, you know, with the, the ratings E for everyone. This is one of those games that everyone could enjoy, whether you're seven or eight or fifty-two. Yeah, and it's thought-provoking too. Like, there's, it's not mindless. Like, there's a lot of really interesting stuff for people of all ages. So, yeah, I agree. It's right. cool to see the whole series available on one system. But with that said, and it's, and it's... <laughs> go ahead. Almost the whole series okay. available on one podcast. George from Shortbox Summary joins us now. George, hello. I completely forgot it was Tuesday. It was really nice. I was like, I should go for a hike. It's really nice. like, let me go down by the water. And I like just got home. I was like, I'm going to sit around. I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to enjoy this sweat I just got on. It was like a 500, 600 calorie hike. I was feeling good. And then I saw a text read being like, all right, well, we're going live. You can join the middle. I'm like, it is Tuesday. I am so surprised. <laughs> I completely forgot what day it was. You're fine, man. We it's talk okay. about we talk about Pikmin four for thirty minutes. I was so. the substitute teacher for today. <laughs> You're a better podcaster than I am. Let's let's not <laughs> let's not sell yourself short, okay? <laughs> George, how are you? Uh, I am good. I'm tired. Like I said, I got my sweat on today. This is hot pod summer. Everyone's getting yoked this summer. I'm excited about it. I hate this. Your, your summer's about like a week and a half, isn't it? It gets like yeah, 81, really, I, 82. I, 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 gotta, gotta, I gotta get a lot in while I can. Well, yeah, yeah what's, what's the like average temperature right now for you? Uh, it's like 75 every day. Oh my god. Humidity. Oh, dude. I wish. <laughs> I was That's... just in Burlington for a week and it was 95 with like 85% humidity. So yeah. like I, I remember the misery, but just we're, we're lucky being right on the coast here. So we get a little breeze and yeah, cooler temperature. So I got to I got to ask you, George, the shortest day of the year or, you know, the, the darkest day of the year. Yeah. How many hours of light do you actually get out there in Maine? Because you're way up in the northeast. I'm not a morning person. So I don't know when the sun rises. <laughs> I assume around like 7.15, 7.30. And then the sun goes down by like 3.20. Like Jesus. before 3.30. Oh my god. Wow. Dude. I know, that's why my favorite day of the year is June 21st. Because that's the longest day of the year. The sun goes down at 9. Yep. And I'm, I'm just like, this is beautiful. This is wow. how it should be all the time. And then it's like, oh, the days are only going to get shorter from here on out. Are they doing daylight saving times this year? I knew they tried to put in a law where they're not going to do it. I don't know. Like they say that every year that they're not going to do it or they're going to do it. I don't know which version it is, but it's the same thing with like real ID. They're like, this is going to be really important starting next year. And they've been saying that for eight years. They just keep pushing the deadline back. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what any of it means. Well, <sighs> but hey, video games. Am I right? Those are video cool. games, George. Speaking of video games, what have you been up to? Anything you've been playing, watching? reading anything a note 
George, I think I, you got a bug on I your left shoulder. Turned on it. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Uh, yep, that's a beetle, all right. Yep, and shoot, my, do my dog. will eat that later. Yeah, good eye. Um, I haven't turned on a video game console in like two and a half weeks. It's been kind of nice, actually. Nice. Same. But I, I Barbie. I drove to Burlington. That's where I went to college, and I met up with my best friend from college, who was a big movie fan. And man, I saw Asteroid City on Thursday, and then on Friday, I saw Barbie at a matinee. And then at seven o'clock, I saw Oppenheimer on the biggest screen in Vermont. And hot damn, what what a time to be alive, you guys! <laughs> Movies are back, feeling good. I'm okay. happy. Okay, so my dad was talking to me about Barbie movie. He said he went out the other day and there's a bunch of girls wearing pink, and he was kind of annoyed by it because he didn't understand that it was the Barbie movie thing. But I know, like. I think Austin told me, did you say it was like a pretty good movie? I know nothing. What is like the premise of Barbie? Oh, I thought it was excellent. Like I, I loved Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I will realistically watch that movie two more times in my lifetime. I could watch Barbie once a week. I thought that movie was incredible. Really? But it's about, um, I, I guess, like the existential dread of, of getting older and just having this thing in your life oh. that like is so static. And, like, what does it mean to be the same over generations? Like, I'm trying to be as vague as possible. I know. So, so no matter what movie pretty, you see this weekend, surprised. whether it's Barbie or Oppenheimer, you're going to feel existential dread, basically. Same in Mission Impossible, too, <laughs> actually. Um, movies are back, but, man, movies are dark. <laughs> movies are conflicting now. Yeah, so we obviously we didn't see the Barbie movie, but we did see Oppenheimer, and I thought that movie was fantastic. It was not exactly what I was expecting, because I, I thought it would be more about the bomb itself. Obviously, it's more about his overall life, but I thought that was a good choice. I mean, it was really well done. Just so many interesting things that I didn't know about that man, and the way it was presented, very well done. Were you like me and were you shopping for like an audio copy or like a digital copy of American Prometheus, the book yes. it was based on? We, not, we both looked at it right not after. Not pull the trigger? Yes, <laughs> we both said we want to like start reading it together. So that's going to be our date that, night reading American funny. Prometheus. Yeah. That's the book the movie's based on, yeah. What's funny is I I looked at it. I was like, I don't want to read this. I just saw the movie. I feel like I got a pretty good handle on things. Uh, I immediately started reading Frankenstein by Mary Shelley after, like, just looking at, like, the start of science fiction and just seeing, like, all right, this, like, used to mesmerize people and just give them new ideas of, about science. And, like, that's kind of what the movie was, right? Like, it was about yeah. him, like, applying creativity to science. Yeah. And so I thought I thought Frankenstein would be a good place to read because I haven't read that book since I was a sophomore in high school, maybe. So did you get to revisit? It. Did you want to, I guess, listen to audiobook or read it just to like relive the movie in another form? Like, what? Why did you want to <laughs> see the book? I don't know because I have my reason specifically for wanting to read the book, but since it's like eight million pages, I don't know if I want to read that long of a book. Right. I just I think there was a lot of subjectivity and there was a lot of like Nolan isms in the movie. Yeah. That I really appreciate because I love Nolan, but I'm also like, all right, like how much of this was artistic liberty? How much of this was your interpretation of events? How much of this was 
literal events and like in the movie there's color shots there's black and white shots so it's like okay is this supposed to be like an objective black and white interpretation of the scene like is this on the record and so i guess just like learning what he artsied up versus what was established fact that was that was why i wanted to read the book okay just to figure out what was nolan and what was source material yeah because that's one of the reasons i wanted to read it the other thing like i wanted to re read or the other reason i wanted to read it was Austin and I were talking how sometimes they would like name drop people or people would show up for like five minutes, but they seemed really important. I'm like, who are these people? Like, I don't feel like there was some, like, there was like lacking some context yeah. for some things. Like, I'm not going to spoil like coach. I'm not going to say much, but like, why was Josh Peck in this movie for like five right. minutes? <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, for sure. Like, and it's also like, man, these are names I haven't heard since high school. And I was like legally obliged yeah. to learn them. I'm like, like I've heard of the Heisenberg principle, but like, what what is it? Again, it's like, oh, Niels Bohr. He created the model of the atom. I'm sure he did other things too, but I don't know what they are. There were just you know, just little little things like that. There were just so many names to keep up with. That would be my only complaint. But it's like, well, I mean, it happened, so it's not really like a well, plot you know how, issue. <laughs> you know how Final Fantasy. 16 has like if you pause it during a cutscene there would be like a lore explanation yes. we, we we might need that for digital releases of oppenheimer <laughs> you know just like uh, just like a spark notes like a compa remember companion apps that would yep. come out on phones oh maybe maybe it's time for one of those dude i forgot about that that was such a thing like late ps3 generation where you had every single major game came out with like a companion app i remember um Metal Gear Solid Five had one where it basically turned your phone into the Wii U gamepad, and it would have the map from the game like linked to your phone. And so, just when you were walking around, like the the map would just show where you were. So, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool to me. It was. It was. It was. So, um, the good old days of the PS3. That's right. That's right. <laughs> My favorite vintage console. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy to even say that, isn't it? Yeah. It, how, how old does it need to be to be vintage? Because it came out in 2007? 2006. I mean, it's... For me, my rule of thumb is if they don't sell it anymore, then it's vintage. PS4. It's vintage. All right. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's not... Next, next, next year, the PlayStation 3 can vote in, in the most important election of our lifetime. That, that's amazing. That's true. That's true. So... It's funny because um, every election is the most important election of our lifetime. That was, that was the joke. They get progressively more important, George. Just more and more important. It really feels it really feels that way, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I honestly haven't been playing much of of anything. I've been playing a little bit more of Final Fantasy 16, but I'm kind of in a slow moment right now. George, did you beat the game? Where did you end up with 16? I got what I thought was like halfway through the game. Can I do like a slight spoiler? Probably yeah. not halfway through the game. Uh, I I just reunited with a, a my mount, my my chocobo buddy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> the next day, Fabio showed up for Fourth of July for an extended weekend, and okay. then I didn't play that. And then I was getting ready to go to Burlington. Yeah. I get like really anxious and like panic attacky uh, in the car, and so I was like by myself for like eight hours both ways. So I was just like mentally preparing for that. Yeah, everything was fine. I don't want to say I beat anxiety back with a a broom and made it look stupid, <laughs> but I had a pretty good road trip by myself. 
Um, but I haven't played any games. I've also yeah. I'm I'm guesting on a comic podcast coming up called Digging for Kryptonite, where we're doing like a deep dive on Infinite Crisis, which was like a big nice. DC event in 2006. So a lot of my spare time has just been reading. Awesome. I don't know, like 65, 75 comics just to catch up in time for oh that. Oh, God. Cool. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be like a three-hour lecture on 2006. I'm, I'm <laughs> so freaking excited. The one thing I did want to bring up, because I mentioned this last week when Seth and I did our, our um, one-on-one episode last week with episode 127, we were talking a lot about Final Fantasy 16 and our thoughts on the game. And I talked a little bit about Final Fantasy 12, you know, wanting to try that out. And then we somehow got down the Final Fantasy 14 rabbit hole of talking about how good that game is. And of course, that conversation convinced me to play that game. So I have restarted my subscription for Final Fantasy 14. And I am also back in there. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> Welcome, welcome back, man. I'm sure they missed you. Yeah, yeah. All all 400 hours and $12 a month worth. So, <laughs> anyways, I mean that's 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 two games a year, right? Like, yeah, it's not too bad. 12 bucks a month for tw- uh, it's like it's like two and a half games a year. But like, you're getting more than two and a half games enjoyment out of it. Oh yeah, for right? sure. So there's so much content there, and just it never ends. It never ends. So I wanted to, you know, we've kind of talked about what we've been up to. And again, thank you, George, for, for joining us mid-show from your hike. I'm Good so to have so you here. Sorry. I wanted to, our, our big thing I wanted to, to talk about this week is an idea I had. You know, we've been, as a society, we've been dealing with AI recently just in various ways, whether it's you've got like the Dolly mini AI creations, the little images that they make to chat gpt you know just all kinds of stuff just all over the place and i guess andy's leaving now so (laughs) are you leaving i will sit on the sideline in case okay so andy is half here um but point being we uh or i i came up with the idea of having chat gpt pitch ideas for future installments of movies and games and we're not going to go through all these right now because this would take forever but i've got a few here that it made and i basically i want to read some of these and i want us to talk about the pitches one from just like a okay are these even good does this this chat gpt even understand like what a pitch is (laughs) conversation to are these things we would play or watch so I have one in here, and I'm not sure. George, are you a Bioshock person? I am a recent convert to Bioshock in the last couple of years, yeah. Okay, because I've only really played a little bit of one and Infinite, but I thought, you know, Bioshock, I know it's such a plot-driven game. So I figured that would be a good one to start with. So, again, literally all I did on ChatGPT, I went on there and I just said, pitch the next game in the Bioshock series. So this is its pitch, and, and I'm, again, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but this is just kind of a summary. It says, Bioshock Paragon's Lament is a captivating first-person action-adventure game set in an entirely new and original underwater city. Uh, interesting. Okay. So it says, 
basically from a story standpoint, the year is 1963. The player assumes the role of Dr. Evelyn Sinclair. She's a scientist and a researcher, and she's working to create an underwater utopia, basically a, a, a paradise that's free from the world's wars and conflicts up on the surface. And so she establishes this city. It's called Elysium beneath the ocean's surface, and it's built on the principle of harmony between man, nature, and technology. And of course, with it being a future installment in the Bioshock franchise, it says as players explore this underwater city, they uncover a compelling backstory detailing the rise of the city and its fall into the darkness driven by ambition and the desire for perfection. She, her, her once uh, utopian vision twists into a dystopian nightmare and so now the city's divided into factions and its society's on the brink of collapse so i gotta be honest george i'm not super versed on bioshock one's story but this sounds like bioshock one's story <laughs> i mean this sounds like bioshock one story the next uh game in this it feels a little familiar too <laughs> um <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't think you can like really top the story of Bioshock and Bioshock yeah. Infinite. I think that's why with Bioshock 2, they're like, what if you weren't a protagonist? What if you were a big daddy? Like, right. what if you were like a observer of this world? Uh, like a, an actual city as opposed to like a one completely new to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think so much of Bioshock comes down to like the art direction. And, yeah, I agree. And like the actual wor- world building. So like, the story sounds fine, you know, but it also it, a little familiar territory too yep. you know yep so it, yeah interesting i don't know um I, from a chat G, gpt standpoint it seems to have very much reflected on bioshock one and two it doesn't really seem like it's pulled that much original stuff here but mm-hmm. you know i i know there's a bioshock 4 coming so maybe it'll be called paragon's lament <laughs> yeah, and hey, also like making games is hard. So go uh, get on you, ChatGPT, for, for yeah. doing something. You know. So I'm actually going to skip down here because I want I want to bring Coach into the conversation. Star yeah, Wars, I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars episode, episode 10, ten, Balance of the All Force. Right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Star Wars episode X <laughs> is set several decades after the events of episode nine where the galaxy has seen a tenuous peace settle between the resistance and the remnants of the First Order. However, the harmony is threatened when a powerful new enemy emerges, a sect known as the Chosen Order. The Chosen Order is a group of Force-sensitive individuals who believe that the Force should be harnessed only by those who they deem, or those who, those they deem worthy. They seek to eliminate all other Force-sensitive beings. Where have we heard that one before in our history books? I was right? going to say. Claiming that their vision... Yeah, I know. Claiming that their vision of a Force-restricted galaxy will bring true order and stability. Now, it goes on, and this is what's funny. Remember the two MacGuffins in the last movie, which were the... Um, what did Kylo Ren have? What was that thing that led him to... Oh, um, oh yeah. The, I forget what it was. Called. I don't even yeah, remember that movie. That, oh, that's the, the Wayfinder. The way the yeah. Wayfinder. Right. The Wayfinder. And then that little tool that Ray had. <laughs> the, the one in a trillion chance that they could have used it and it worked and it worked, right? Yeah. So 
Uh, there's a part where it talks about, oh yeah, joining forces with Finn, Poe Dameron and new allies, Ray embarks on a quest to find ancient artifacts that hold the key to understanding the origins of the Chosen Order. Along the way, they encounter long-lost civilizations and forgotten Force traditions, deepening their connection to the Force. So. Long-lost civilizations. Well, right. So. I mean, this, this, this sounds kind of rad. My favorite, I thought for sure when you said episode X, and then you were reading, like, <laughs> Set several decades after the events of episode IX. I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> um, I thought came across I should have. I'd, I'd, I'd watch this movie. So here's, <laughs> here's my favorite part here. The film showcases stunning visual effects, emotional character development, and pays homage to the rich lore of the Star Wars universe. Oh, Lord. Really? But that's, that's, how, that's how like a movie pitch is written, though. No, I know. It's interesting. Interesting. So... I mean, it probably has way more source material material for this specifically than it does. Yeah, like the games and stuff, not because it's older. And it does clarify, just to be clear here, it says the leader of the chosen order has a shocking connection to the past. <laughs> uh oh, who is it? <laughs> Obi Palpatine, <laughs> Ray Palpatine's <laughs> grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting one i don't know i it i'll on a serious note i'm still really excited to see what they do with i know it's probably not going to be called episode 10 but that ray movie i i hope it's good because her character deserves more development well looking, it deserves, looking, yeah oh i'm sorry uh i was no, gonna go talk ahead, about bro. star wars no i wasn't gonna talk about star wars so please please continue your thoughts she just deserves someone that a good writer and a good director not yeah. that they weren't good directors but a good director and writer for star wars like the lore right? yeah it was just mishandled i mean you could still bring lots of new concepts but keep it like so you could watch one through mm -hmm. nine right and it all kind of fits but that's a whole nother discussion we could get into. So, George, go for it. What were you going to say? Um, so, like, all, some of these are really generic. Some of these are. are generic but compelling. But I got to be honest, like, all of the titles sound like real games. I know. Of, of everything you've got here. Like, but Paragon's Lament, I think, is probably the only one that's, like, not exclusively good. <laughs> I think that sounds like... Like pretty bad, like you know, so, Tumblr creativity. Sorry, um, like it sounds like a twelve-year-old's idea of deep. But yeah. besides that, like Echoes of Eternia, um, don't love that for this Final Fantasy seventeen, 17. pitch here. But like, it makes sense with like the story about this person. Um, protagonist Alicia is a young mage whose unique power allows her to hear the echoes of past events and glimpse into possible futures. I'm like, oh, so they actually like thought about it. Like why it's called Echoes of Eternia. I know. Like, okay, that that's that's interesting. And then like the Mario Kart Cosmic Circuit, I'm like, okay, that, that sounds like yeah. vaguely legit. Like if Wario sixty four were to say that that was the name of the next Mario game, would you like <laughs> bat an eye? I I wouldn't, you know. No, and it it's interesting. Uh, the 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 Final Fantasy seventeen one. You're so correct that the Echoes of Eternia. I mean, it just makes sense. It's talking about like 
you know, seeing into the future and past events and stuff. And so it actually connects to the title. I was pretty impressed by that, actually, from a from an AI standpoint, just seeing that it it is able to connect the title of these hypothetical games to the pitch that it's yeah. giving. But this, the, the story pitch, like at the beginning, in the world of Gaia, magic and technology have coexisted for centuries, but an ancient prophecy foretells an imminent cataclysm that will plunge the realm into darkness. As nations clash over the scarcity of resources, tensions escalate, and the once unified world begins to fracture. Dude, that is just, that is Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's just every Final Fantasy so, like, game. It's, you're right, that's every Final Fantasy game. And then when you combine that with like who's a mage with unique powers to hear the echoes of past events and glimpse possible futures, I'm like, oh, so it's like Final Fantasy crossed over with Jedi Survivor. Okay, yeah. cool, got it. Um, <laughs> but like, damn, dude, I'd play that game. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I wouldn't, you know. So I do like the later so on in did, that. You... Oh, go ahead, Coach. No, so I was gonna say, so you put one up there for Mario Kart Nine, but like just talking about the next mario kart what can they do to mario kart to make it seem any more different like do you think with so, all of the tracks that they've been providing like what do they do next mario kart ultimate baby that's what they got yeah. <laughs> well like uh they int they introduce like link right and and yeah. the platoon people i'm like all right so like is this like captain falcon Where's he at? Where's Kirby at? Like, is that like the next step? I kind of don't want that. I like when things are a bit more compartmentalized, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what else they can do. Bring it's... back the second character. Like oh, yeah, double, double dash. dash. <laughs> it's, it's funny you bring that up though, coach, because while the, the pitch for Mario Kart 9 that, that it's provided Cosmic Circuit as the subtitle, it's mildly interesting when you actually read it, it is literally Mario Kart 8. Like it's not really giving anything different. So, for example, it says, um, let me find it here. It says for gameplay, Mario Kart 9 introduces new gameplay mechanics that make the races more dynamic and exciting than ever. Players can now utilize anti-gravity technology on certain tracks, right. allowing their carts to defy gravity. That's been around for 10 years. <laughs> so, I do like the new power-ups it had here, though, actually. the um, It says the Star Comet Temporary Invincibility. Interesting. That literally just sounds like the star, but the Black Hole. I thought was pretty oh cool. God. Black hole that absorbs other racers' items. So maybe they'll have to they'll have to use that one. But black hole. I don't know. I, I really don't know where they go with Mario Kart because they're adding in all these tracks. They've already got so many characters. What what mechanic can you add at this point? I don't know. Yeah. Are they even done adding in all the new content yet, right? They still no. have two more nope. left? Is that what it is? I think there's one. Now, are these more. tracks remastered or remade or they as is kind of? Uh, these new tracks, most of them are remastered, but there's like, I think, one new track per drop. Yeah. Frankly, they've been kind of hit or miss. Yeah. I don't think they're especially good. I don't think, they, I think they're like kind of saving their time. I wish they were all remakes, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but like the, the new ones, you're, you're right. They're, I, I don't think they're very impressive. So I think the issue is with it, they take those old tracks, Coach, like, you know, your N64 tracks, and they haven't really converted them for eight. Like, they just kind of are the same tracks, but they haven't really added much to them as far as the anti-gravity or the flying or, 
you know, underwater areas, anything of that. It seems like they've kind of just taken the old tracks and upgraded them, which is cool, but they they seem very bland compared to the other to the other tracks, in my opinion. So well, that and so many of the levels are based off Mario Kart World Tour, like the mobile game. That's so frustrating. Which which nobody wants that. None of those has none of those elements, and like also there's no nostalgia or connection to those tracks whatsoever so it's just like paris yeah cool <laughs> i know? feel like every tokyo time they, every time they release yeah, one no, like special. one of the main <laughs> every time they release one of the so grand prix so it's like flat. one of them is good it's from one like a recent game that's like the one i want to play and then to get the trophy i'm like oh crap i gotta race through freaking i don't know texas Whatever. to get to the oh sorry coach <laughs> to get this trophy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember when, what was Sonic's card? Racing? Oh, Sonic All-Stars Racing oh. transformed. That's right. the one that you were so at, right? at the, the time when that, that came out, that was better than Mario Kart, right? I mean, like it had some, it had some new stuff in it. So yeah, because because there were three modes. There was driving. There was the boating, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was the um. The flying. It was like a new age Diddy or Kong racing. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, I was about to say that sounds like Diddy Kong. <laughs> it it was fantastic, and that was before Mario Kart Eight had come out. So that was seven had been out on the 3DS, but we had not had a, a console uh, Mario Kart game since Mario Kart Wii. And yeah, I still love that game. I never played the new Sonic Racing game because I heard it wasn't as good. But Sonic Racing Transformed legit is probably like one of the all time great kart racing games in my opinion so and i think that game had nintendo like okay we need to Mm -hmm. up our ante on the on the series right so i think that game might have been a catalyst for where mario kart 8 is right now yeah so i want to bring up one more here because i know we've all got connections with this franchise halo 7 legacy of the reclaimer Where do we all stand on Infinite? Where did we all land on that? I know, Coach, you were kind of hit or miss on it, and so was I. About twenty hours, and it was like it was different. It was good, but it just wasn't the Halo like one, two, and three in reach. So I don't know. It was hard. It was it's sad more than anything. And then I guess they're firing everybody or laying people off. So. I don't know what's going on with uh, what's the name of the studio three or three two three, 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 three. or what is it? yeah three four three. three four three yes George what did you think um, about I, it was okay I liked it less the more I played it just because yeah like, I, it, it was a, okay like it was it was it was hard it's hard to make a game right and like they made like a really good open world game with halo iconography halo weapons halo lore all that shit built into it like that's really cool it didn't do anything new in the open world space so it really just felt like far cry 3 ostensibly with like a halo skin and the narrative itself i thought was really interesting but i don't know like it was so bloated with like all this stuff to do and like i guess you could have just like mainlined the story but that feels like missing the point of what they were trying to do so i like took over everything i conquered every base i eliminated every high value target i did all that shit and it just made like the game 
feel twice as long as it should have for no other reason than to say like hey we did this thing and also i feel like that removes a bit of linearity for the developers and so like i just don't know how you properly pace an open world story especially when every other game in the series was such a deliberately told narrative you know it's like it just it felt weird but like i loved the the new ai against cortana and and just like figuring out like where chief's feelings sit for cortana like in in the aftermath of everything that happened but like it also felt connected to the previous games but so disconnected from the previous games where i'm like okay like 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 what the fuck is actually happening like i i feel like you can't just tell me and it's like oh something really important happened in halo wars 2 that's great i didn't play that game man like i'm not a dork who plays rts games on my console and i that's funny because like i love rts games like i could not get into halo wars 2 so i think to have such an important story beat happen off camera i'm just like like what are we doing guys Dude, and that's been such a thing with that franchise since Bungie left. Whenever 343 took over with 4, that has been a constant issue of, and of course 5 was when it hit its peak, of all this important stuff happened in books, you know, the TV show, Halo Wars, and if you didn't read or watch or play those, then you're not really getting the mainline Halo story anymore, which is frustrating. But um, point being, <laughs> Halo 7, Legacy of the Reclaimer, it says it picks up after the previous installment where Master Chief successfully defeated the Banish forces led by Atriox. And it says basically that the, the new enemies in the game are a rogue faction of forerunners believed to be extinct called the Ascendants. It says they're led by a, a powerful forerunner known as the Aurelian. I don't even know how to say that. Who seeks to activate a dormant array of Halo rings scattered across the galaxy. Guys, can we move on from, like, activating Halo rings? Can we? Can, can they do something else in this franchise? Mm-hmm. It says... Uh, All you have to do uh, is uh, get a good sci-fi writer to write yeah. a good Halo story. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the rest of the pitch is pretty... I don't think they're especially interested in that, Austin. I gotta be honest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Can you can you call it a Halo game if it doesn't take place on or around a, a Halo apparatus? Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. Or you we can just... just stop calling it Halo and focus on a ma- Master Chief doing something totally different, right? New enemies, just a new world to explore. But anyway, that's... Yeah, I don't know. The whole the the enemy idea though sounds interesting. The the forerunners, the ascendants as they're called. I think that's actually a pretty pretty cool idea here. So for the pitch overall, I thought it was mildly interesting, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I'm like I'm kind of burned out on Halo after 5 and yeah. Infinite. It's kind of ended for me. I I don't know that I want to continue playing that franchise unless they really come back strong with something that's really, really impressive. But we'll see. So I think I'll leave it there. So I'd say overall, chat GPT, kind of hit or miss when it comes to making some original content, but still interesting to see what it would do. I think the Star Wars pitch was pretty interesting with the ancient artifacts. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know... Again, I'd watch that movie, man. I'm I'm, I'm there. Day one. Yeah, 
You know, it'd be Let cool. Let it go on the, thir- the Thursday before it launches, you know. It'd be cool to see, like, an Indiana Jones-style Star Wars movie. Like, you know, just some guy out plundering for stuff in the Star Wars universe. I'm well, so isn't that kind of what that. Outlaws is? That's true. That's also what it... Dr. Aphra is in the comics. She's lesbian yeah. scumbag Indiana Jones in space. She is excellent. She is one of my favorite additions to Star Wars. She's incredible. Yeah. So is, what, um, what they... comic run is she in? She is Vader. in the first Darth Vader comic. Okay. Like the Kieran Gillen, Salvador La Roca book from 2015. And then she gets her own ongoing. Nice. And she's, she's really good. Awesome. Yeah. So there's a new featurette. Star Wars release or Star Wars or Lucasfilm Star Lucasfilm Games release, and it was just some more information on Outlaws today. So it was pretty cool. It's set between episode five and six, so the height of the Civil War, and the Pikes are in it, and just they even showed a screenshot of uh, Ola. Um, job of the hut so nice this is one of those this is those that game that i think we wanted to now how it's going to look and play i don't know i'm not too like i've seen some of the stuff i'm like i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen but the shit the shooting looks rough right yeah very rough the movement the the flying hopefully that's just because it's so early on does that game come out this year It's, it's 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 first quarter next year. It's first quarter next year, though. Okay. I I bet you it gets pushed back. I don't know. I hope not. But uh, this everything's thrown off though because of the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strike. So like, even if there was supposed to be a Star Wars movie, like this isn't going to line up with any of that because like there's no video game union. Like no one's on strike there, so video games are still going through. I don't think. I don't think video game writers are part of uh, the WGA. They're not part of the Writers Guild. It's like, their work can continue. So, yeah. like, if there was any kind of, like, cross-marketing promotion that they were hoping to do in this and, like, other Star Wars stories, like, that's fucked, man. Like, nothing's being made. I don't think there's going to be a deal happening until, like, September or October for, for SAG-AFTRA and Writers Guild. So, yeah, man, the, the, the synergy is, is coming off the wheels there for, for Star Wars anyway. I'm excited. I saw an interview from San Diego, though, where they were like, yeah, don't worry. This is going to be like a 200 to three hour long, unbeatable, 300 hour long, excuse me, unbeatable RPG. Like, we saw the criticisms of Valhalla. That, that, that's not what this is. And so I think they described each planet in Star Wars Outlaws as like two to three sections of, uh, of Valhalla, which is still massive like it's still going to be a huge game but dude there was just so many sections (laughs) in valhalla like that game was i think 140 hours to 100 percent 150 hours god and so i think i say that i have 300 hours in so yeah for star wars i might make an exception um look at ggs louise i just like how about like what happened to the 30-hour game? It's like, oh, this game underperformed because it went over budget. Well, like, why did you make a 200-hour game? Why didn't you just make, like, a solid 25-hour game yeah. and stay under budget and, like, still make your money because it has a giant brand attached to it that people are ravenous for? Like, what, yeah. what, what happened to that? Oh, The Flash didn't make money at $250 million? Does any movie make money at $250 million? Like, like two. 
two movies have made money when they <laughs> cost that much money. Like, like, what are you thinking? What's Child? Indiana Jones at? We were talking about that last week. I know that's been a just that's disaster. That's like 300 million, man. Like, they, and like, how much was Raiders of the Lost Ark made for? How much was Last Crusade made for? Like, Last Crusade, I think, was a $40 million movie. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crazy. Crazy. Well, it's like kids with the, yeah, parents go out of town, leave their kids with the, with the credit card. Like, oh, just order a pizza. And then all of a sudden you're getting your fucking car repossessed because kids go crazy buying every ticket on Madden Ultimate Team. Like, <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing? And three extra large double pepperoni pizzas from Try to get some wrong and 2K. You, you needed, yeah, you needed three Brooklyn-style pizzas? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> We're going bankrupt over here, man. I could only afford one for personal pan pizza. <laughs> oh, but I'm really glad you got 2009 LeBron. Yeah, in in 2K, <laughs> you dick, <laughs> you little dick. Dude, what what is the deal with that? What is with kids constantly like spending thousands of dollars in like mobile games and NBA games using their parents' credit card and somehow getting away with that? Um, no one's uh, made a lot yet. Well, you couldn't, like, do that when we were kids. Like, I mean, we loved Pokemon cards when we were kids, yeah. right? And, like, magic cards, but, like, you had to go to the store to get those. And so, like, a, and that shit was, like, hidden behind a glass. So, like, it really was, like, how much money do you have? Okay, that's how many you can get. Yeah. Whereas, like, kids, I'm not blaming the kids, because, like, they make it no. so easy. It's just like, oh, just... It's the parents. Just get another pack of cards. Yeah. Of it's, I don't think school... it's the parents. It's the games. No, it's all... No. So it's I both. have I have a high school friend... And he used to tutor, I guess, while we were still in high school. And this was when Temple Run was, like, the game. Oh, yeah. And there was this yeah. one kid that is. he tutored. And I guess he was showing him playing one. He's like, yeah, if I run out of coins, I just push this button, like, over and over. And he was buying, like, thousands upon thousands of coins. He was playing, like, hundreds of dollars of coins right in front of my friend. And he was like, do you... You need to stop. Do your parents know you you do this? And he's like, "Yeah, I got in trouble when I did it. Like the other five times this happened." And this, I mean, passwords exist, but I guess yeah, the parents never did anything. So this kid's buying like a thousand dollars worth of Temple Run coins with no consequence. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! That is the parents' fault. Like you could have password protected that. All I know Temple is. Temperon is really good, though. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it is pretty good. Um, if we ever have a kid and my child spends thousands of real life money on dollars on uh, Final Fantasy 14, I'll be okay with that. Yeah. Not. Said no one ever. <laughs> Someone, someone's making a face. <laughs> I would allow the child to buy many Kirby products. <laughs> there you go. You can so. buy whatever you want as long as how is the yeah. how is the most recent Kirby game? The one where they went kind of like the um, remake? No, not the one before that. Forgotten. The, the 3D Forgotten. open world type thing. Yeah. yeah. I love How that was game. that? Because I think you guys got it, right? That game was excellent. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was set in like an Armageddon type of world, right? Where Kind of post-apocalyptic, a little little creepy. It was really good, though. I still didn't like the co-op in it. Andy played all the way through it. I'm the only thing I haven't done is you know, on most Kirby games, like 
I guess maybe the more recent ones, you beat the boss or like there's like the stadiums where you can go fight the bosses. There's like you beat the normal boss and then they have like a boss number two that's like a kind of a pumped up version of that boss and like the final final boss and he's like the final boss on steroids like like the only thing i have left to do in that game but that fight is like 45 minutes long but oh man i i never yeah i never finished like the challenge mode where you just go through the old levels and you have to collect all like the 50 shines or whatever in each level that that shit was brutal i think yeah i went back and did like everything but that last thing i think that's probably one of the best Kirby games I played. It's good. I just my problem with Nintendo games recently, and Pikmin Four does this too, where Pikmin Three had full on like two player co op. Like Andy and I played the whole game together, co op. And in Pikmin Four, they kind of removed it and went more with the Mario Galaxy style, like the second person just basically Points does nothing. <laughs> so yeah. that, that was, was that was my problem a little bit with Forgotten Land was like we were trying to play at co-op and the second person could only be like the shitty bandana waddle D. You couldn't be a with Kirby. Spear, right? Yeah. He's not that yeah. shitty, just kind of. Or the goo from uh Luigi's Mansion yeah. three. Yes. Gooey. That Gooey. one I feel like yeah. though Gooey is still better than what you could do like 90% of what the normal Luigi right. could do. Freaking Waddle D can just Andy. do like stabbing and this, and that's like all you can do with him. And and you could go through fences as Gooigi, right? Wasn't that a big part Yeah, of that you like, like yeah. well you have to like use Gooigi in part of it. Yeah. But yeah, oh man, I don't know. Sometimes the second player thing, I don't I, know. Yeah, I just wish they'd have it more fully fledged. I think Pikmin 3 did it really well on the Switch, and I don't know. I get they're probably doing it for like families, you know, so that you've got like the parent playing and then the younger kid on second player if they're less capable mentally. We have a kid that kid's always playing the second player. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't Watcher know. did it best back on the NES. That's true. That's true. So, all right, guys, anything else y'all want to add before we wrap it up here? Coach, have you beat Tears of the Kingdom? You know what? I haven't only because there's just so much to do. I hit the 300 hour mark. Oh my god! And I built, I built the best weapon, and I'm just having fun just going and using that weapon. So it is the the scimitar that you get after you beat um, the Gerudo area. What was it called? Something oh, of the scimitar. All the. Uh, I don't like. Is it like the ultimate? I don't know. I don't think I got that one. Yeah, but I, I did a bunch of the stuff. I think before I didn't have to do much. I just all I, after the level after I beat the boss, I just had to go get another diamond, and I had everything that um, I needed from that. I talked to the person before I even did the the uh, temple, and then the silver lino horn. Oh my gosh! You those. The thing is. The reason why the scimitar is so good, and this is for everybody, is because it doubles the attack of whatever you're forging or it's, you're fusing. That's right? all of the Gerudo weapons. They all double. Yes. Yes. And that's why it's so good. And I go down into the depths. I know exactly where to go to get it. And I spent about four or five hours just oh roaming around, just like marking, okay, so this, this, and then also the royal, um, the royal guard weapons are pretty high powered too. So I know exactly where to go. 
And just being able to go through and beat the uh, the Lionels in the Coliseum and the Upside Down is that that's all I need. I don't have to play this game ever again. I did one of the hardest things right So there, you did so. you beat the Coliseum? Twice. Oh, that was a struggle. Awesome. So every blood moon you know for this freaking Coliseum. But I'm not good enough to where I can go through without saving. Okay. Right. So but what I'll do, so I'll beat the first line. First line is a red line pretty easy. The second and third one are not once you get to the silver, then I'll save it because, um, like, if if you have a certain way of doing things and you're not you're not doing it, it's hard to you get taken out pretty easy, yeah. right? Oh yeah, so, I suck at fighting the Lionels. I go through like the silver uh, ones. I go through like three shields to fight one. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh. So like I can if they only have one video game for the rest of my life, that that would easily be it. Surprise! So, it's not and then, uh, like, Rogue if Squadron, need... Republic Commando, right. Batman Arkham City. Sorry, those are like down. Those are top ten. I'm not top five anymore. <laughs> no, I think. But I love. Oh, sorry. You go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I just love riding the dragons and then getting um, all of the parts that you can get on them. Yeah, you know the light, especially the light one. So the freaky because you can make. You can make money too. So you pick up the the easiest. There's like twelve of the shards, I think it is. So you pick those up, and you could get about like three hundred coins or whatever. So that's, oh, that's twelve hundred. If yeah, so you could quickly make money just riding those. So, but yeah, I have like yeah, that, that's Austin hasn't picked yeah. up that game in weeks. Yeah, I got kind of burned out on it. I want to go back at some point. I think it was just a little too much for me, um, from a just amount going on in that in that game at, at the time when it came out but i got pretty far in it i think i'm actually right at the end but i want to go back and play more eventually but for now i'm like in a final fantasy phase so <laughs> the worst part of that game so, is the ending getting to the end is what the worst part i feel like yeah. is getting to the end because like uh i don't know i feel like not that the ending was anticlimactic but it was not as good as i was hoping it was going to be uh oh Okay. Which is kind Have of you, did you beat the um, before you fought Ganon? And I, I still have Death Mountain, and then I guess whatever happened, then I'll have all four regions defeated. But have you? you did you fight the hands? Oh yeah! Now I'm looking for one, and I can't find them anymore. Oh man! And then you get Phantom Ganon. Like once you once you defeat the hands, you get Phantom Ganon. And have you? His yeah. weapon's pretty good. The bow is, I mean, not so great, but I realize if you yes. if you attach like a a sun, what is the the sun lion thing, the flower that helps the light flower? I think I read if you uh -huh. if you attach that to his weapon, it cancels out the gloom it gives you. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't tried it. I just and then, it. yeah. So, but there's so much to do in that game, and it's just like. I really love that. It's it's gonna be hard for Spider Man to top that for me. When yeah. Spider Man comes out in a few months, you know. It's soon. Um, which what what are you guys gonna get? Are you gonna get Mario or Spider Man? Honestly, I'm getting them both. This is Barb Barbenheimer Part Two, baby. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> I honestly was gonna get Alan Wake Two and hold off on Spider Man because Alan Wake is like two days before 
Spider-Man, but after seeing that story trailer the other day for Spider-Man, I, I don't know what to get now. I, I don't even know, but I'm definitely going to get Mario either way. It's just, oh, do man, I get I Alan you. Wake or or um, Spider-Man? That's the question. <laughs> but I'll play all three at some point. So anyway, with that, let's go on and wrap it up here, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. If you've been listening live on YouTube, of course, you can do that. Just go to bit.ly slash frameskip Q or frameskip live rather. So bit.ly slash frameskip live. That'll take you right to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and you'll get notified when we go live on YouTube. And then if you are watching us live on YouTube, don't forget you can also follow us on podcast services and find the show after the fact recorded and listen to it as you're driving, as you are working out, whatever it may be on your phone. We are on pretty much everything, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much everything in the universe. So um, the show is also on social media at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then we are each individually on Twitter. Aside from Coach, I am at Austin J. Eller. George is at Shortbox Summary. And then Seth, who is not here tonight, is at Seth, the 90s kid. So go follow us all there. And George, you got anything fun going on with Shortbox Summary soon? Any new episodes you want to you want to uh, shout out right now? I do not. I'm taking a break for the rest of July. And nice. I want to come back in mid-August. Uh, we just wrapped up House of M. Cool. And uh, dealing with the fallout, I've been reading a lot of X-Men titles in addition to a lot of DC titles for some some upcoming shows going to be guesting on. So get excited. Things are about to get nuts over at 2005 again. Get ready. Choo-choo. <laughs> Trains leaving the station. So, of course, go find Shortbox Summary. That's George's podcast or podcast show. His <laughs> comics podcast on uh, pretty much the same places you can find us. And, you know. While he's on break right now, there are plenty of episodes for you to catch up on. So go follow him over there and go tune into some of those. So with that, we'll end it there. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week for some more talk on whatever's going on in the the nerdy world of movies, TV shows, and video games and comics. So until next time. I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk about anime next week. Get excited. Oh yeah, anime too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> until yeah. next time. Yeah. See you guys later.